The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. All right, welcome to the Chronic Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Ralph Marlborough, and as always, we are joined by our fearless leader, Carrie Ello from Canal Chronicles and Juge of the Nation.com. And we would be joined by Kevin Held, a.k.a. Iron Eagle, but he injured himself learning how to suplex a stuffed animal, and he's got a bruised fucking tailbone. And, uh, Andrew, what other injuries does he have? I believe he has a torn labia. Yeah. And uh, obviously, Iron Eagle's bones are made out of chalk. He he so. is, and, and he tweeted that he was a fat fuck on Twitter, so maybe he needs to get, maybe he's using using wrestling to get in shape. Just kidding, Kevin. I assume, I assume that Iron Eagle, a.k.a. Kevin, is the Cam Cleland of the wrestling world. He is. And, and, and I call him a fat fuck, but he called himself that on Twitter. And we do it out of love. We do it out of love. <laughs> um, the Saints... Had o- they're starting OCAs this week. Um, I'm going to begin, Andrew, with this. Will Smith, at outside linebacker. Um, does Will Smith have anything left to give the Saints? And second of all, can you think of anybody ever in the NFL this late in their career where they moved him from either linebacker to defensive line or vice versa, and it worked out and it was successful? I can't. I can't. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I hate it. I, I just think it's a terrible move. In fact, because he's gotten a little slower and less explosive, you know, I felt like he could put on maybe 10 pounds of muscle or even stay the same weight and actually be a fairly effective 3-4 defensive end because, you know, he's, he's pretty stout. He's got nice size. And, you know, I felt like he could take on two blockers decently and hold yeah. his ground. So. Um, if, if anything, I thought that was a natural progression for him as he got older, um, that he would maybe even be a better fit in that system at end. But um, I guess they felt like he wasn't big enough. I mean, if you look at the guys that started at minicamp today, uh, Tom Johnson and uh, Akeem Hicks were both playing end. So, you know, those guys are defensive tackles, lighter defensive tackles that uh, are, are being moved to the outside. So obviously they want guys bigger than Will Smith, but – um, I hate it. I mean, I just don't see how he's going to be able to cut it. Um, you know, my, my view is that, you know, they made some comment that, well, it's really not that different from the position he was running in the 4-3. Well, if he's basically playing the same position he was running in the 4-3, my response to that is, well, then it sounds like a 4-3 to me. Um, you know, the responsibilities of outside linebackers in a 3-4 um, include edge pass rushing. Uh, they include coverage. Like, of a 3-4 is that you've got four linebackers and you're never really sure where that fourth rusher in a base in a base pass rush when you're not blitzing and you're just sending four rushers, that's the whole point, is you're not really sure which one of those four linebackers is going to be that fourth rusher. So if you're telling me that Will Smith is on the field and he's basically pass rushing every time, then that defeats the purpose of the 3-4 to begin with, which is disguise. Um, you know, basically, if you're tipping your hand and saying, 
this is the first posture, then it's not an effective three four. So uh, I'm not buying it. I don't like it. And I think in the end, Will Smith will either revert back to a defensive end or he won't be playing in that team. Uh, Dave, the more I think about it, the more I don't like it. I mean, if you thought Scott Shanley was bad in pass coverage, wait till you see Will Smith. Um, your thoughts on the Will Smith outside linebacker experiment? <clears throat> uh, you guys are harsh, dude. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's the greatest move. Uh, you know, some people are saying, oh, they're going to move him, and then he's not going to make it, so they're just going to cut him. I don't know if the Saints are planning that far ahead, and it's that diabolical. But um, you know, I think the most I think the most recent example of this we have is, is Dwight Freeney uh, uh, on the Colts when they switched to a three-four, and they, he's a veteran defensive end, and they moved him to outside linebacker, and it didn't really work out that well. And he's not on the Colts, um, and he didn't really have a great season. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I just don't know. Green is 50 times more explosive than yeah. Will Smith off the edge. Yeah. There you go. So that's not helping matters uh, <laughs> any for Will Smith. So, uh, you know, I would say uh, I would say the odds are against him, but, uh, you know, I would never say never. You never know. Um, it could happen. But, you know, and the other thing is, I mean, there's just such a crowd now at linebacker. I mean, they were <laughs> the faith went from, from being paltry as a linebacker to uh Having, you know, they're going to have quite, quite the, the pool to choose from come cutdown day uh, this year. So he sort of gets lost, I think, in the mix there. Um, so uh, yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I don't think things go well for us. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they have a crowd at linebacker, but uh, it, it could be. I'll take things I would never have thought I would say for eight hundred, Alex. Yeah, I mean, but are they any? Are, are any of them? Worth a damn. Um, that's a good question. And I mean, I, I think, I think the Saints are kind of hoping. Uh, you know, we've got twenty right. linebackers. Hope Four is not a plan, Dave. We've been through I this before. Just, well, you know, I mean, it's got to be at some point. You know, you can only do so much. You know, you have free agency, you have to draft, you make the, the moves you think are the best moves, and you make the decisions you think are the best decisions. Um, and once all those decisions are made, then all you have left is hope. Uh, you know, for the most part. I mean, obviously there's coaching and that kind of stuff, uh, but there's a little bit of hope, there's a little bit of luck. But, no, I mean, I just think that they, I think the Saints are thinking, you know, we've got 20 freaking linebackers. That's a slight exaggeration, but not that far off. But, uh, you know, we've got 20 exaggerations. Four of these guys have to be good. Um, and I'm sure they're thinking that all of that, comp- it's going to breed competition and it's going to bring out staff to all these guys. But, yeah, I mean, they've got linebackers worth a damn. I mean, you know, Curtis Lawson has one of the inside linebackers stuff. Up, you know that, and uh, I think Victor Butler will probably. Um, I'm expecting a little bit from him, and uh, you know the, the rest is you know a little bit up in the air. We know Vilma can play, but we don't know about the three four, so we don't know about that. Um, David Hawthorne, we're expecting things from him. Chris Chamberlain, if his knees are okay, he could do do good things. Uh, you know, it's a good question. It's a valid question, Ralph. Um, <laughs> It's a definitely a valid question, but I, I I think that with so many of them, you know, the cream is the cream is certainly going to have the right price for the crop, and I think that uh, you know they'll be able to find a few a few gems there. Andrew, if I give you, I'm a football genie, and I say, Andrew, one of the Saints linebackers 
can have the best year of his career that he's ever going to have, pick one. Who would it be? Well, I would definitely pick a pass rusher, one of the outside guys, just because then that means the Saints are getting to the quarterback. I mean, Curtis Lofton could not have the best year of his career and still be decent. Um, and ditto Vilma, so I wouldn't pick those guys. So uh, I, that basically gives me – I have to pick between Gillette, Martez Wilson, and, and Victor Butler. Um, you know, if I got to pick between those three, um, I mean, I would kind of selfishly like Martez Wilson to kind of explode and go nuts just because he's the one drafted of the three. And we could finally get that the Saints are awful at drafting defenders monkey <laughs> off their back. So I, I think I would pick Martez just because then you could say finally the Saints got the, the player that's worth a shit. Oh <laughs> uh, well, I mean, Dave, your thoughts on that? If I was gonna, if you asked me that same question, I mean, I was gonna have one of the linebackers to have their the best year of their career. I would pick Javon Villa. Because, I mean, he's had some good years in his career, and the chances are he's not going to have the best year of his career. He's already well past his prime. So, uh, I mean, I, I would definitely, I'd say, hey, let's have Jonathan Vilma have his best year, and then hopefully the younger guys will, uh, you know, will be good, and hopefully they'll have career years a little bit later down the line. But I would say let's, let's, let's milk Jonathan Vilma for one more year. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm sorry, Rob. I, I thought you, the question, you know, kind of assumed that there was a snowball's chance in hell of it actually happening. Well, touche, <laughs> touche, Andrew. I mean, that's what I, I mean. That's why I went there. I mean, like, but if you're, but no, I mean, in truth, the football genie, you could have anything. I mean, you could have, you, you could have Darren Sharper type rebirth and then depth, death in 2014. I mean, I guess if it's. Any wish granted. I mean, I guess I'd pick Will Smith because I know he's had double-digit sacks. So his career, his career best year in sacks is ten and a half. So if he does better than that and would get like thirteen sacks, that's what you would want. But like you say, if you're de- if you're dealing with realism, I think it's got to be Junior Gallette because ju- I, you know Junior Gallette, if he had a career year and sort of had like a one-hit wonder where he became like a Cameron Wake for one year. That could turn the Saints into a 12. That could really turn, make the difference between the Saints being like a 9-win team or an 11-win team or a 10-win team and a 12-win team. So, I mean, I, I think it would be yeah. Junior Gillette. But, I, I mean, mean – I think Gillette – I still think the jury's out on him because, you know, this, this will at least give him a chance to – you know, assuming he's a starter, it will at least give him the chance – to be on the field more and do what he does well more often while he's on the field. So um, I think the scheme plays into his hands a little bit more. But I still have big questions about, you know, outside linebacker isn't blitzing on every play. And I, I still have questions about how Gillette can absorb a block at the second level by a fullback and, you know, move move quickly enough to, to play the running game well. He and, doesn't. Uh, I, I have huge questions about how he can cover a tight end down the seam. So I, I actually think Marquez Wilson is built better for this position. Except he's done with a box of rocks. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I, I think for, for Goliath, it's more like physical limitations and, and, and you know, technique. 
with Martez Wilson, it, it's all mental. Like, he's got the physical tools. This is the perfect position for him. He's built for this position. With him, it's all just upstairs and putting it together. Um, so, you know, but, I mean, sometimes the mental aspect is even tougher than the physical. So it's hard, hard, hard to know for sure. Well, I mean, we, we the thing is, we we saw with Martez Wilson and Junior Gallet. I mean, they just got at different points. Each one of them just got annihilated in the run game. I mean, how many weeks, Andrew, on Monday when I would talk to you, you'd be like, "Man, I watched the film and uh, Jamal Charles went 85 yards, and that's because Junior Gallet or Martez Wilson got run over." like a bug on a windshield of a dump truck. I mean, how many times did we have that conversation during the year? All, all too often, my friend. <laughs> Way too often. Well, I mean, um, that's the thing. It, it, they, they, stopped, they stopped seeing the field. I mean, Marquez Wilson didn't see the field at all, and Junior Goulette was in very sparingly because Spagnola because basically didn't trust him. You know, he was like... Hello? Did I lose you? Oh, I did. Um, you know, I mean, it's, at, at least with this scheme, they can see the field yeah. and do what they do best. And, it's, you know, so, I mean, you know, obviously we, we know the scheme change was made for a reason. And all the reasons why the scheme change, I mean, it makes sense based on the talent and, and you know, the skills that mm-hmm. for the, the roster that they have. So, um, you know, that all makes sense and that's good. But, you know, they're, they're still going to have those responsibilities um, if they're on the field. And ultimately, that's going to dictate whether they're just decent outside linebackers or passable outside linebackers or very good. Yeah. Um, Dave, Charles Brown continued his tradition of being injured even during OTAs. Um, What are the chances that the third-round draft pick, the physical freak, uh, Armstead, is going to be the left tackle for the Saints, Uh, the the first pick against the Falcons? Yeah, I don't know. I think I'm. I I wouldn't expect that. I mean, everything that I've read is that he's just a little raw. You know, he'll need a year to learn a little bit, um, get used to the NFL. So, I mean, if Charles Brown is not going to be the guy, um, I guess it's going to be Jason Smith. I I would think it would be Jason Smith over Teron Armstead. Andrew. Yeah, I think I agree with Dave. I mean. The only issue is Jason Smith had some injury problems in the past too, and I mean Charles Brown. I guess they they said that it's a uh, weight room injury um, that he suffered, which is just ridiculous. Um, so uh, it, that's frustrating. I mean that he's already injured, you know, in the first well, OTAs. Well, here's um, the- but I, I think Armstead has a good shot. You know, I think the real thing with him is he's going to have to have like a Marcus Colston, Marcus Colston type of transformation where, you know, he goes through OTAs to minicamp and then all of a sudden he shows up to, I think with him it's really just having the frame. Um, so, you know, he shows up to, to training camp and all of a sudden this guy out of nowhere, he's like, whoa, this dude put on 15 pounds and he's rocked, you know, 15 pounds of muscle and he's way stronger. And um, I, I think that's what it's going to take to have that kind of physical transformation um, for him to start in year one. Well, here's the, here's the question. Here, here's the question. I think – you're, you're, you guys thinking might be flawed in, in this sense is what if the what if the choice is not between Jason Smith, Smith being mediocre? What if the choice is Jason Smith is 
like John Stinchcomb was in 2010, where he's just done as a player. And the choice then becomes Armstead or an injury-prone Charles uh, Charles Brown. Then I th- I think the odds become more likely that Armstead plays not because they want him to, but it's out of necessity because of either the other guys aren't healthy or maybe Jason Smith is just terrible. I mean, the guy was the number two pick, and he's on team three. Um, so, Dave, I'll start with you. What are the what What do you think the 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 odds of that the scenario that I just laid out happening are? Why, why are you doing this? <laughs> why do you, you, you got to be such an asshole? Well, uh, I'm actually okay with it. I mean, I think I think if Armstead, I think he could be really good, <laughs> and I think the same system they could they could make it work where they could protect yeah. him a little bit. I don't Dave, think it can was, you take Dave? Can you take the gun out of your mouth and answer the question? <laughs> Um, you know, I, I mean, the Swiss have thrown players in there and just said, I mean, they kind of did that with Bushrod, don't you think? I mean, they kind of just threw Bushrod out there and said, okay, you just go. Um, but even Bushrod, even Jamal Brown being injured. Right. But I mean, even Bushrod, I don't even think Bushrod was as young as, I mean, no, I think wasn't. Bushrod had, yeah, I mean, he had been with the team for a little bit, but, you know, <laughs> Ralph, all of those scenarios seem like a disaster. Um, <laughs> I mean, let's just be real. I mean, none of those scenarios is ideal. Um, you know, like I said, if Charles Brown is going to be injured, I would rather have Jason Smith because he's a veteran, so he's at least got experience. Like everybody's mentioned, you know, he's got some injury issues. You know, he's not really the best offensive tackle in the world. I mean, I don't know. I don't know anything about Toronto. You know, if if, if the kid shows something in camp and in preseason and during the games, you know, then I might say, yeah, what the hell? Throw him out there. But I mean, unless I if I don't see that, and and uh, <laughs> just in any of those situations would not vote vote well for for the Saints, for Drew Brees, uh, for anything. So let's let's hope that that doesn't happen. Um, Ideal scenario is Charles Brown and Zach Streif are your starters and they stay healthy. Yeah. Ugh, I, and even that, even that's not even like the, the best fucking thing in the world. All right, let's let's try to have some cheeriness to this thing because Dave says I'm such a cloud of despair. Um, I'd and, rather talk about the devastation in Oklahoma than the uh, oh the lord. Ooh. Ooh, too soon, too soon. Maybe not. No, it's not. It with Twitter. With Twitter, I'm just saying it's more, much more upbeat. It's more positive than. than well, at least in o- at least in Oklahoma, you have ha- you have you have happy people getting found in wreckage and that sort of thing. The Saints tackle situation just looks like it's there's like a thirty percent chance that it's going to be sixteen weeks of nothing but d- despair. Oh, it's wreckage, all right. <laughs> um, Andrew. The depth chart in the secondary was was really interesting because Malcolm Jenkins they held him out obviously, um, but they had Patrick Robinson ahead of Jabari Greer. So is there? Did you see anything in the secondary that sort of caught your eye? You're like, hmm, that's interesting. Maybe maybe we'll have to, we'll have to look at some things that we weren't we weren't thinking or we weren't thinking about um, before they started actually practicing in different things. No, I mean, look, I think we take 
these lineups with a huge grade. I mean, I know this is a, a nice topic right now because it's the first time we've seen them, and you know they've, they've had OTAs before today, so the depth chart could have been different on other days. And you know, it's one of those things where sometimes a player shows up late to practice, and Peyton gets pissed at him, and he puts him down on the depth chart, or you know, some guy missed lights out by five minutes. You know what I mean? So. There was always, like, some random thing where you get knocked down and then after two practices you're on your way back up. So, uh, I mean, I wouldn't take too much into that. I mean, I'd be shocked if Jabari Greer is behind Patrick Robinson on the depth chart to open the year. I, I would be shocked. And and I'll go even a step further and say that that is going to be very concerning if Jabari Greer is not starting over him because that will mean he's on a decline. Um you know, and, and I'm expecting big things from Jabari Greer this year, along with uh, with Keenan Lewis. But I, I really think those are the two starters. But yeah, I don't know what's going Jabari, on. If Jabari Greer is behind Patrick Robinson, he's not on the decline. You hit rock bottom. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yep. So, but oh. uh, you know, every every week I feel like I'm talking about Isabel Caduce. You know, I love the guy, Kevin. He, for me, he's just a or Kevin. I just called you Kevin. God, that's awful, um, Ralph. But um. I, I view him as, as a true free safety, a, a ball hawk, a, a guy that has good ball skills, and that's the kind of guy I want playing on the back end. You've got to have that guy that can make a jump on the ball, and at least one of your four defensive backs has to be that guy. And I really think I, IAQ, as I like to call him, is, is um, it fits the bill. So it's great to see him with the number ones. I love it. Um, Vaccaro, Vaccaro was all the way down with threes. To be expected, he's a rookie. Obviously, he's going to move his way up. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, it is a little surprising. But like Dave said, um, if Jabari Greer doesn't get that starting spot back soon, and if we keep looking at these lineups and it continues to be P. Rob and Jabari Greer stays at nickel or even drops the spot, uh, then that should clue us in that he, it's pretty much over for him. And I, I don't yeah. think that's the case. I sure they signed not. him to an extension too, so. Yeah. Didn't they didn't they sign him to extension last year? Or was it they, two years? I believe they did. Um but you know that that it, it was like one of those things where they, they extended his contract but made him more cap friendly by doing it. Gotcha. Yeah. Um My guy, you know, I want to get into thing where we've we've had this OTA, so let's make some wacky crazy predictions off of like one or two days of the OTAs. So, and I'm going to start because my I said Ryan Griffin is going to be the backup quarterback. They already said he's ahead of the other two guys because he ran basically the Saints offense at Tulane. I think not only is he going to make he's going he's not going to be on the practice squad. He's going to be the backup quarterback because Seneca Wallace and Luke McCown are both they're not even room temperature. They're decayed and bones practically. So, that made me happy to read that, and that's going to be my wacky prediction that Ryan Griffin's going to be your number two quarterback. So, Dave, give me a wacky, crazy, bullshit prediction off of one day of OTAs. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, <laughs> um, no, I'm not going to say that. Um well, shit, since I was saying that it wasn't going to happen, that would be my wacky prediction. My wacky prediction will be that Teron Armstead starts at left, at left <laughs> I like that. I like that. Uh, Andrew? Um, 
I'm going to throw this out. I'm going to say that Garrett Hartley is going to get all he can handle from Ooh. his Mexican hitter that he got. I actually don't think that's that wild of an idea. I I think that's a legit prediction, actually. Yeah. Well, I'm going to say that the Saints kicker, I can't even remember the guy's name. Was it? Jose Maltos. Okay, Maltos, that's right. Is it Carlos Maltos or Jose? It's both. It's it's Carlos Jose Maltos, I think. Nice. Let me Google it. Well, Maltos. My crazy prediction is that Maltos will be... The Saints opening day kicker. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That, that would be some crazy, crazy shit. Um, but that would make my wife super duper pumped if the Saints got a Mexican kicker. She would Ralph's be getting laid. She would. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. She would be super duper pumped. She might even. When we go to the Saints Dolphin game, she might even wear her Dolphins jersey and paint like little Mexican flags on her cheeks. She oh is, wow! She is all about the. Uh, she's all about the uh, Hispanic culture and in sports. She adopted fucking Mark Sanchez for Christ's sake. Oh yes. God! <laughs> she was like. I I told, I told this joke before, but I love it because she made she said it. She says Mark Sanchez has got to succeed at quarterback because if he fails, they'll never let us closer to the, the next time a Mexican's that close to being quarterback uh, on a fee, on a football field, he'll be cutting the grass. If Mark Sanchez <laughs> has Mark Sanchez been excommunicated from the Latino, um, I mean ethnicity has it? Well, my wife she has. By my wife, he has, for sure. Yeah. Um, but she is all about that. So I, I, but the thing is, like, I'm so attached to Hartley just because of, you know, the Super Bowl and the NFC Championship. I mean, it, it's it's it, it would be, Andrew. How hard would it be to say goodbye to to uh, to to Scooter? I mean, I, I, not me. I, I feel like <laughs> whoever the. I mean. Yeah, no, what he did for the Saints was great, no doubt. And But, you know, he, he was a little hit or miss last year. I think the fans are really hard on him, actually. I, I mean, I don't know about you and the emails you get all the time, Ralph, but um, I feel like a lot of guys, people on Twitter, or the, the, the six comments I've ever yeah. gotten on my blog are usually pretty negative about um, Hartley. So, I mean, my, my sense on the Saints fan, you know, the, who that nation – meter on Garrett Hartley is, is pretty negative actually surprisingly they are because uh, I've always I've always liked him but um no I mean I yeah I think I absolutely think the best man wins the job and there's something about the Mexican culture where I just because they're soccer players growing up because soccer is such a um you know you grow up you're a kid and you're just you're playing with the soccer ball immediately and you're kicking it around so I, I just think that comes naturally to that culture a little bit more than the American culture. And so I, I have a, if, if this guy's the best youngster in Mexico, like of all the kickers that, that are out there, if he's, if he's the best one and the Patriots, we know pursue him. I have a feeling this kid's going to be pretty damn good. He's and, from the university um, of Nueva, Nueva Leon. Yeah. And I mean, look, the saints find some crazy talent. I mean, they've got a guy from Canada on their roster. You know, they came to him from Canada. So um, why not Mexico now, you know, south of the border. Yeah. Um, but, 
No, if, if he's better than Hartley and he outperforms him, then that's the guy you got to roll with. Yeah. And, you know, the thing is, with kickers, you're you're always sort of – the thing that's interesting, Dave, is is, is coaches, they're, they're really kind of hesitant to switch kickers because they're always like – if the guy has made them kicks in the past, they're always sort of hesitant to switch it around because they're like, I, you know – Hartley, for all his things, you know, I know in Sean Payton's in the back of the of his mind is thinking, I know what I've gotten him. He can make kicks. So won't uh, uh, Hartley, he'll have to be beat. If it's close, it'll go to Hartley, right? It, it, it has to be – Hartley has to be sort of defeated. Uh, by yeah, I would, say, I would say just – It's got to be obvious. Uh-huh. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would say Ty goes to the veteran. I would say for sure that the that's the that's the the, the gentlemanly thing to do. Um. So, I mean, wasn't there wasn't there a tie? Did, did Hartley have competition last year? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Casey. It was John Casey, wasn't it? Yeah. I think I mean, he I kind of felt like early. it was a tie last year, and well, I guess the veteran didn't win, but the guy with the bigger contract that they were kind of committed to long-term was, you know, the tie went to the guy that, you know, they kind of already committed to. Because I, I felt like Casey and Hartley were about even. Yeah, and now, I mean, um, Hartley, his contract it was a couple years ago that he signed, so he's not – I mean, his, his, if they if they want to make a move, they, it won't be – it doesn't matter financially at all. I don't think that – I don't think that can that's going to play into it at all. I mean, his con- yeah, one, if, any, kick- if anything, they might get a little cap room by cutting. Yeah. Um. So, uh, one last thing that I want to I want to bring up before we get out of here, and well, actually, before we make fun of uh, Andrew tweeting his his lunch, uh, <laughs> the two tight end set. You know, they they brought in Ben Watson, who. <laughs> oh my god, dude! The Tim Tim Tebow, I will complete a pass in the NFL before Tim Tebow completes another pass in the NFL. Um, but I'll and I'll start with I'll start with you, Dave. How much do you think this two tight ends? How much do you think they're going to do it? I mean, Ben Watson, he's he's okay, he's good, but he's getting old and. How much of the two tight ends do you really think they're going to try to do? I don't really – I mean, I don't think that they've got – I don't think Benjamin – Ben Watson is, you know – I don't think with, with Jimmy Graham and Ben Watson that they can be like, you know, Rob Gronkowski and uh, Aaron Hernandez. Um, I, 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 you know, I think they'll use it. I think they'll – I, I, I don't think they're going to use it that much, but I mean, I think they'll use it. Uh, I mean, I think their bread and butter has always sort of been just their receivers, um, their regular wide receivers and, and, and running backs, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So I, you know, I don't expect them, I don't, I wouldn't be expecting them to use it any more than they have in the past. I mean, do you, do you think that having Ben Watson now is going to cause them to, to start running more two tight ends. I'm I'm not I'm not sure. I, I wouldn't expect that. I wouldn't expect that. I'm not I'm not sure. The reason is I watched a lot of Cleveland Browns games in in 2009 and 2010, and he was the only, literally the only creditable receiving threat that they had. 
and my mind is biased because as they get older, the years blend together, and I have this memory of him catching all these balls, and it distorts my it distorts my view of him because he's that was no, I mean he's years he's ago. good. I, yeah, no, I mean he's good, and he was very heavily used in Cleveland. I mean, I'm not sure how much he's got left in the tank, but you know, I just feel like Peyton, Peyton's already said that he's gonna you know get back to running the ball better. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, right there, there they're not going to be passing as much, and I just feel like they they do a lot of other things in the passing game. I mean, they never they never really zone in on any on any one thing. Um, they never let it get stale. So, you know, I, I would say that uh, the two tight ends that will probably just get mixed in uh, e- evenly with everything else that they uh, everything else that they do. Andrew, you were very excited about the Benjamin Watson signing. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't disagree with you guys more. I, I think um, this is a wrinkle to the offense, you know, that, that will change the play calling. And, and frankly, uh, Sean Payton designs his offense based, not based on his play – you know, not, not based on the play playbook. He designs it based on the weapons. You know, he, he very much is looking for mismatches, for matchups and, and uh, you know, he wants to get guys on the field that are going to make the plays for him. And um, if you think about receiver depth this year, it really is the, I think the worst it's been um, maybe since year one, you know, since 2006 um, when Joe Horn and I guess Colson were the starters. And then, you know, they had like maybe David Patton behind them and not really anyone else behind that. So, or, you know, Lance Moore was still trying to make his mark, but I, I really feel like, depth is pretty weak at receiver. I mean, we don't really know what the Saints have behind Joe Morgan, who's the third guy. Um, so this is a perfect opportunity, as I see it, uh, for the Saints to take advantage of Ben Watson, who, I mean, if you watch the Browns play last year, he's still making a lot of plays. I mean, he is – you put him against a linebacker, and athletically they have no chance against that guy. I mean, he's big, he's got phenomenal hands, and he's a great athlete. I mean, he – he is kind of a poor man's Jimmy Graham in terms of his ability to use his body and, and use his length to catch the football. And um, he, I think he's an outstanding tight end. I mean, I really thought that was a huge get for the Saints. And, and Cleveland is, literally had no quarterbacks older. last year. Yeah, they had no quarterbacks, and he was, you know, their go-to guy pretty much. And, and so he, he is a little bit older, but we've seen a lot of good receiving tight ends age pretty gracefully. Um, you know, with uh, over the years, I mean, you, you can go down the list. There's, there's a, there's a, those guys age pretty well usually the tight end. So, and he's a decent blocker. So, I think it tips pass a little bit less when he's in the game. You know, they they, they can run different um, run and pass ratios with him mm-hmm. and and stay pretty, keep defenses honest. But uh, I also think that this is, uh, you know, when when you say two tight end sets, I don't think it's going to be that way necessarily in the traditional formation, uh, but it'll give the Saints the, the ability to put Jimmy Graham out of law. Yeah. Uh, Dave, are, are, Dave, are you there? Um, teams oh. are still going to have to respect that, and the linebacker is going to have to stay on him because he's a receiving threat too. Um, and so I, I think this will give Sean Payton the luxury to play around a little bit more with those formations and bring Jimmy Granny either into the slot or put him over on the edge, and especially in the red zone, um, that that's going to add a nice wrinkle because Dave Thomas caught the touchdowns last year. I mean, I think he had like three or four touchdowns, and you add 
a guy like Benjamin Watson, who receiving wise is a major upgrade over David Thomas. And, you know, I, I easily think because people are paying attention to Jimmy Graham, Watson's a guy that could catch six, seven, eight touchdowns this year. Yeah. I mean, um, it'll be, it'll be interesting. I, I tend to lead, I tend to think it's going to be somewhere maybe between what Dave thinks and what, you think, but I, I think, I, no, I think it's going to, I think, I think, the, I think, Andrew, I think you're going to be more right. I just wonder. I hope he's right. How much health, I, I worry about Ben Watson's health a little bit, so we'll, we'll, we'll see. I mean, we're going to get. in this games, man. Got yeah. Take care of his body. That's true. That's true. Um, but we'll get it in, and we'll get into the running game. We got many podcasts to go before training up, so we'll get into the running game and how Sean Payton wants to get that fired back up. Um, Dave, I know this will never happen because there is no way the Saints would do the NFL a solid uh, and let them film them in training camp for the HBO Hard Knocks series. Never. 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 Sean, over never Sean Payton's dead fucking body would that happen. But... Right. What, did, what did Sean Payton say today? Somebody asked him about Charles Brown's, Brown's injury and Sean Payton said, uh, I don't want to talk about injuries until the fall. <laughs> <laughs> but Dave, wouldn't the Saints on Hard Knocks with a camera following around Joe Vitt and and uh, Rob Ryan be uh, spectacular? Oh, I, I mean, obviously we think that a Saints Hard Knocks would be awesome because that's our team. So I mean, I think we're slightly biased here when we talk about this. But <laughs> I mean, I definitely think the Saints would be good fodder for a reality show. But ain't never gonna happen. Yeah. Um, Andrew, your thoughts? It is the best. Uh, my, It'd be like a buddy my, comedy, but with football. My thoughts are Jonathan Vilma has a better chance of having the best season of his career uh, <laughs> as a linebacker for the Saints this year. Hmm. Oh my goodness. <sighs> Oh, all right. Um, now we got to wrap this thing up. Uh, Andrew, Dave, you're a foodie, and you know Twitter etiquette. He t- Andrew t- tweeted out his lunch today and said, "My lunch is better than yours." Um, <laughs> on the Twitter etiquette scale, where does that rank? And as a foodie, did that bother you? I didn't see what 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 did he eat. I'll need to go look this up. Andrew, what did he have to eat? I'm too embarrassed, Ralph. You explain it. He he said, I forget the exact tweet, but he was like, "This is my this is my lunch, and it's better than yours." And it was a, I believe, uh, a sushi roll. Okay, well, I need to look this up. I mean, if it was a sushi roll, then uh, then no, his lunch was not necessarily better than mine. I mean, I had a burrito today, a microwavable burrito, so maybe today it was better, <laughs> but. I don't, I mean, like, you know, sushi doesn't get me that excited. I mean, there are a lot of people, there are a lot of women out there eating sushi for lunch every day. Burn! Brutal. I mean, was it like, was it like, I mean, was it like from a... No, it wasn't like Kroger, I don't think. I mean, was it like, was it it like like a special roll, man? This wasn't like freaking California roll from the gas station, right? (laughs) I don't see this. I don't. I don't even see this tweet. He, he, maybe he. Maybe he deleted it in, embar- in embarrassment. <laughs> no. Well, was, I this th- t- was this today? 
It was. Yeah, it was today. I, 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 I was, I was thinking of starting a, a lunch war with you, Andrew, um, but my battery for my phone was so low I, I had turned it off and I didn't want to – I didn't want to do the can. I didn't want to take the picture, but I went to Beck's Prime, which is a like a high-end sort of hamburger fast food chain in Houston, and I got their hickory smoked cheeseburger. And I was thinking of taking a picture of that and going right back at you, Juge. But uh, my battery was at like eight percent, so I uh, I passed. Um, Look, it, it was embarrassing. It was a moment of weakness where um, this, this role was was looking really good and tasting really good and you know sushi yeah the presentation was nice and i'm like you know what i'm I'm gonna take a picture of this and it's gonna be awesome and the minute i hit send i regretted it and i was glad you know no one else no one else called me on it ralph so i'm really glad that you kind of reeled me in um when when you called me out on that because um you know you're gonna start doing it all the time now well (laughs) Well, I mean, I probably would have if Ralph didn't, you know, reel me in. And, you know, I've got about 400 followers on my personal account. Um, and uh, so that's that's less than Canal Street Chronicles, which is just embarrassing. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Andrew, your but, uh, account and my account together doesn't even reach 1,000, which is sad. Yeah, it's sad. Which but, it's uh, really I sad mean, because, because at times this football season, I had weeks at WWL where I was breaking – their records for most views by a Saints thing, including Super Bowl year. And when you're getting 35,000 page views and you only have 400 Twitter followers, that's pretty pathetic. Yeah. Well, now I know why I only have 400 followers because I post things about what I'm having for lunch. <laughs> so uh, that that should tip me right there. But um, no, it was a moment of weakness. It was a stupid thing to do. And uh, the, the thing that probably makes me most embarrassed about this is that um, is that it's so Cariello, you know, that, that, <laughs> Dave does it so much that I basically copied him. So yeah. not only did I do something kind of lame, but it, but it was also <laughs> un- unoriginal. So, um, you know, I, I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed. I made it, I made Sorry. it popular. All right. Well, we're on that, on that note, we're going to end, but I'm going to make a plea to everyone on Canal Street Chronicles, if you listen to this podcast, I am working with Hans on another edition of Houdat History for the 1987 Saints. Sweet. And there is a there was an opening for the CBF for when the Saints played in the playoff game in 1987 uh, against the Minnesota Vikings. That is awesome. Even though the Saints got crushed in that game, the opening is fantastic. And they flash a stat on there of how many kicks the Saints blocked. And I think it's eight or nine, and they scored like four touchdowns off of kick blocks that year, which is ridiculous because they only played 15 games. So it was like they were blocking a kick every other week. But I can't – How many kicks did they block last season? I mean, I think Patrick Robinson might have got one. I think they got – I think they blocked the, – they, the, they blocked the punt against – They blocked Washington. one in Green Bay. They bought two or three, um, but th- there's a difference between like two and three and nine. Um, yeah, so I need people's help. And if, if you if you either have that clip and you know where it is on YouTube, because it's on YouTube somewhere, it's just it's just titled something really fucked up. If you know where that is or you have that stat, email it to me at uh, 
chronic podcast at Hotmail or just start a thread in Canal Street Chronicles because we need that. We'll give you attribution, whatever. Me and Hans are doing all this research. It's going to take me a while. I got a little sidetracked with some personal issues, but Hans is doing kick-ass research. This thing is going to be – it's going to be way, way too long a retrospective for the 1987 Saints, but we're having fun with it. But if you have that stat, get it to I us. I love that. We'll get it to us, and we'll give you attribution or uh, – you know, we'll, we'll let you call into the podcast and make fun of Andrew's eating. Um, but on that note, on that note, go to Saints Nation. Andrew's got the offseason cover. Go to Canal Street Chronicle because during the offseason, like Dave says, they have people that they don't comment during the year, but during the offseason they come out of the woodwork and they comment on the draft and they get all feisty and they go at Dave with really weird comment strings and then they then during the year they disappear. So it's like it, it's. Dave, is that true? It's almost like a whole – I wouldn't say it's a whole different site, but there's like a different – in the off season, there's, there's like a percentage of commenters. It's, it's a bunch of commenters that's just different than the regular year. Well, I certainly felt nostalgic in that in that Bounty Gate Pro Bowl thread uh, <laughs> yesterday. That was like old times. That's exactly what I. That's exactly what I was referencing, and I was I was reading that in meetings, and I couldn't I couldn't get logged in, and I couldn't join in. I just had to read. I was like, God damn it! But anyway, for 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 Dave Cariello, for Andrew Juge, I'm Ralph Marlboro. So long until next week. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring... The best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broom 
Gate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broom Gate. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. 